Thank you for joining us for this episode from AgriSafe Network. AgriSafe's mission is to support a growing network of trained agricultural health and safety professionals that assure access to preventative services for farm families and the agricultural community. National Farm Safety and Health Week 2021 was held from September 19th through the 25th. We hope that this episode helps you to improve the health and safety of the people who feed the world. Today, we wouldn't be able to do this without our sponsors for National Farm Safety and Health Week. And so we would like to thank them for their contributions and contributions to the success of of these webinars. So thank you to our sponsors. Um, Right now, we're still working within a COVID-19 pandemic, some places going through their third and fourth waves, if you will. And to respond to that, again, for the rural and ag sector, AgriSafe has created a COVID-19 vaccine confidence social media toolkit. So this has ready-made information, resources, messages for social media that you can co-brand and post to your sites and share with your partners. So AgriSafe invites you to visit our website at agrisafe.org, take a look at that social media toolkit and grab the things that you feel would help um, you advance your mission to um, get the word out about uh, vaccine safety and, and efficacy, if you will. Uh, next, AgriSafe, again, we train rural health professionals. And one of the ways in which we do that is with the AgriSafe Nurse Scholar Program. This is a self-paced online and on-demand program that offers 20 hours of continuing education that are taught by experts in the field of ag safety and health. Uh, It's completely online um, and it's self-paced and it comes with ANCC uh, accreditation. So equip yourself with tools and knowledge necessary to provide the best care for unique healthcare needs of people living in rural communities and especially those who are working in agriculture. So we invite you to uh, visit our website for the AgriSafe Nurse Scholar Program. And if you have any questions, please reach out to that email address at nursescholar at agrisafe.org. And now I will introduce our speaker of the hour. Our presenter is Vanessa Sims, um, who is the Director of Emergency Management with the Georgia Department of Agriculture. Vanessa Sims is the Director um, of, again, of emergency management and assistant food and feed uh, rapid response team and a program manager for the Georgia Department of Ag. She supports emergency management and homeland security duties for the food and agriculture safe sector in Georgia. Vanessa, as a Georgia representative, for, is also the Georgia representative for the Southern Animal and Agriculture Disaster Response Alliance and serves as a past president for the National Alliance of State Animal and Agriculture Emergency Programs. Ms. Sims regularly presents at local, state, and national events on an array of topics related to food and agriculture planning, response, and recovery initiatives. Okay, so um, this current project, I'm gonna step back and share some things about Hurricane Michael. But it started during COVID-19 to look at how we can better inform food, agriculture, and hospitality workers about crisis counseling resources in Georgia. 
So I wanted to share a couple of health statistics with you all. Um, one third of the agriculture population exhibits one or more serious behavioral health conditions, such as depression and or substance abuse. Also, the suicide rate of male farmers was found to be roughly twice that of other males, um, making male farmers their own health disparity group. And in 2019, about half of rural adults say that they are experiencing more mental health challenges than a year ago. The data I'm gonna share with you is gonna give you some more updated information um, related to COVID-19 for both the farming community and others. So following Hurricane Michael, we really wanted to focus on resiliency and hope and optimism. And the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff defines resiliency as ability to withstand, recover, and grow in the face of stressors and changing demands. And I think we can all relate as we've been dealing with this global pandemic, um, the importance of resiliency. As you see, Ms. Renee Moss um, stated, following Hurricane Michael, that this is such a deep emotional loss that we feel like someone has died. Stuart Griffin of Griffin Farms focused on uh, hope and resiliency. He started out by saying, devastated would be the main word I would use, but I also say we are fortunate and blessed, even though it's hard to look at it that way. So we found um, three different barriers to treatment inhibitors uh, in our research following Hurricane Michael. Attitudinal barriers regarding limited mental health literacy, people not really knowing and understanding what is mental health and what does it comprise. And we found that in our survey as well. And also the fear of stigma, um, which we all need to work collaboratively to help overcome. There were also structural barriers like financial limitations to accessing resources, and also the availability of farmer-specific material. Um, farmers in our respective sectors, people you know, want to hear information that is relevant to them. And then the perceived need barriers. Mental health is often considered in extremes, um, whether someone is suicidal or not when there's actually this entire conti continuum that covers mental health. And also focusing on personal mental health awareness and resiliency building. And along with that, as I've mentioned already, um, being aware of general health resources, signs, and symptoms. So one of the things we did following Hurricane Michael was we created this pamphlet coping with disaster in the agricultural com community. And as you can see by looking at this, we were again able to capture some statements for those who were impacted during the time. But we also shared um, a lot of the signs and symptoms, both behavioral, how it impacts your body, your emotions, your thoughts, um, topics on how to relieve stress. And then on the back, cover, we had helpful resources. So of course, the SAMHSA Disaster Distress Helpline and our Georgia Crisis, Crisis in Action Line. Um, and again, finding uh, assistance for those who need it for suicide awareness. 
one of the things we found, I was talking with some great associates from the Virginia Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Um, we also created during this project, the six steps to agriculture recovery to get connected, make everyday meaningful, learn from your experience, take care of yourself, be proactive, remain hopeful. So again, um, partner with our friends at the Virginia Department of Ag and Consumer Services, we recognize that people aren't necessarily carrying around a pamphlet or a poster when they most need these resources. And so we came up with the idea of creating a bookmark. And then Jeanette David, um, she's our amazing state mental health director. Uh, she had worked on a different project where they looked at having an expandable business card. So we took all of the information that was in the pamphlet and put it um, either on the business card or a bookmark. And again, now during COVID-19, I will be remiss to not say um, we have been promoting the emotional support line. So another um, key tool that we have utilized um, was the ABCs of prevention of compassion fatigue. And I know in, in the ag world, in the animal world, we deal a lot with compassion fatigue. Um, and it's really important to talk about it. I know that we have all been encountering it again with COVID-19, but the ABCs are awareness. Again, knowing um, about yourself and what seems um, not typical or ordinary. Again, what are the signs and symptoms that you have, whether it's sleep deprivation or headaches or um, some of the other tools that you can find in the pamphlet? Are you becoming frustrated or irritated easily or losing compassion for some things that you love? Again, being in tune to not only yourself, but those who are in your circle. And then the B is for balance, keeping balance in your life, finding ways to practice self-care, taking many escapes, um, working on balancing exercises. For example, finding three things that you're grateful for today finding your passion, knowing and understanding what fuels you, what gives you energy. And also, you know, finding balance for your soul and having time alone. One of the things we found in the survey that you'll see is the importance of connections and talking your stress out with someone else, whether it's a coworker, a therapist, spiritual advisor, families or friends, your pets. And this information came courtesy of an article from the American Institute for Stress. So looking at our current project um, for the food, ag, and hospitality workers, it started in July of 2020. We had on a series of ongoing meetings. We updated our outreach material as I covered. And then we had a series of two surveys, one in September of 2020 and one in March that has also helped to inform our outreach and awareness. So I wanted to step back for a moment and share with you this resource um, from the CDC. I mean, I'm sorry, from the Commonwealth Fund um, that talks about the impacts of mental health during COVID-19. And so these were the COVID rates in December of 2020, almost a year ago. I also wanted to point out the mental health provider shortage. And as you see in the South, 
southeast area, the areas in darker blue are the ones um, with the highest rate of shortages. So um, this particular um, Commonwealth Fund looked at the CDC's Household Pulse Survey, um, which was a snapshot, again, um, as you'll see, this time frame, September 2nd through September 14th, uh, cover the same time frame as our initial survey. But again, it was showing those with anxiety disorder or dis depressive disorder across the country. And again, you can um, look within your same jurisdiction. But the household purse survey was to look at uh, data impacts in real time. So you'll see it covers the last seven days. Also, um, looking at the household uh, poll survey, um, you can find for your own respective jurisdiction how you ranked on depression and anxiety. And they gathered this data through a 20-minute online study. So I just wanted to share that with you um, for informational purposes as we, as we now take a deeper dive into the work that we did. So I'm going to start with the most current survey that happened in March of 2021. We had a total of 452 respondents, and you can see all the areas in the peach color um, participated, a total of 25 states. By and large, Georgia did have the majority of participants. There was an age range between 20 and 65. 27% were black, 63% were white, 6% were either Asian, Pacific Islander, Hispanic or Latino or multiracial or biracial. 82% of the respondents were female. And you'll see a trend in both surveys there. 16% were male and 2% were gender fluid or would rather not say. So these are all the industry sectors that participated in our second round of surveys. Again, by and large, healthcare, public health was the largest number of responders at 233. Uh, education, 49, food, 42, social services, 38, ag had 22, government workers had 18. And again, I wanted to remind you all that we're about a year into the pandemic at this point. Further breakdown of those in the food and ag sectors, um, again, covering everything from bakeries um, to kitchens, grocery stores, restaurant and retail. On the ag end, we had a beekeeper, aquaculture, dairy, farmer, government, poultry, processing as well. So looking at the average mental health concern pre-pandemic, the average was 3.84, and the stress level was 4.35. Compared to, and they both jumped up to 5.30 in March, and we asked for the first two weeks of March, the average stress level went up to 5.83. Wanted to share with you some of the stressors that um, were spelled out. Uh, 394 respondents did answer this question. 
So additional or changing work responsibilities was a top stressor for most of the individuals involved, followed by the fear of exposing family to COVID-19. Civil unrest was also a concern. We also um, were looking at politics and isolation or lack of socialization, physical health. People could choose multiple responses. I did want to share that with you all. So some people were being stressed from multiple sources. So we asked a question about substance use. 52% um, said that they did not use substances before or during the pandemic. 5% had a decrease. 23 experienced no change and 20% experienced an increase in their substance use. Many of you know that substance use can be an indicator of mental health uh, concerns. So we wanted to talk about, I'm sorry, <laughs> coping mechanisms. Um, how were people able to cope from these stressors and mental health? The top five coping mechanisms were talking with family and friends. And you saw that on the ABCs of compassion fatigue, connecting, connecting with others, prayer, engaging in a spiritual activity, listening to music, exercise, staying away from news or social media. Those were the top five coping mechanisms in March. So we also wanted to find out how people uh, were accessing resources to help them um, with these stressors or with their mental health. And as you can see, um, a majority of people, well, 28 people did um, seek out counseling, help from family or friends, again, professionals. So 14% sought out resources. We really do have a lot of work to do in this area about making people aware um, of programs and assets and activities. Some of the things like Nisha talked about from AgriSafe or um, resources in your local jurisdictions. So we also wanted to find out what barriers there were to seeking out resources to help better inform us on how we can do better. There was a pretty significant number of people who reported they did not see the need or importance. Following that was a lack of time, financial reasons, did not know where or who to contact. Again, an area where we can all work collectively to do better. Um, 34 people said it does not make a difference. You know, how can we change that um, outlook or frame of mind? you see some of the other responses. Stigma or fear of weakness was also um, captured. And um, people identify that there was a sense of powerless or lack of control. So of those who did seek further assistance, again, it was less than a quarter. Um, there were 63 people who did. The types of further assistance that they accessed in this second survey um, were food banks. Shout out to our food banks across the nation and all the work that they have been doing with partners. Uh, unemployment, 
small business, housing, child care. Some of the others were 401k withdrawal, emergency assistance from their university, food distribution by the school system, the PPP or CFAP program, stimulus check, utility assistance, WIC. Some of the barriers to further assistance, many people weren't eligible for assistance. A lot of people said others needed it more than I did. You also saw that time was a factor in um, preventing people from receiving further assistance. A lot of people referenced uh, God will provide, um, they got an unemployment help. So now we're gonna segue into the September 1st survey. So in this particular survey, um, we had 458 respondents with the vast number of participants coming from Georgia at 458, Michigan had 64, Ohio had 55, I'm sorry, 458 was the total number. Georgia had 271. Uh, there were 99 respondents who did not complete the survey. So looking specifically at Georgia, we have 159 counties in Georgia, but we were able to have participation rate from 92 counties. Um, the highest number of participants were in the metro area in Fulton, Gwinnett, and DeKalb counties. So again, looking at the responses by industry in September of 2020, um, this was the breakdown. We had um, the largest number of respondents did come from the agriculture industry, followed by healthcare. So you do see some trends there. Um, food respondents at 34, social services at 15, education and government at 10, the hospitality sector had one. So I did wanna share with you guys that we did have a number of other uh, sector industry participants um, that ran the gamut across the board from veterans, emergency management, law enforcement, insurance, um, retired individuals, et cetera. So again, we saw a trend in both surveys. Female participation was at 63.3% in this survey. Um, you know, one of the things I'd like to point out is that females can be a champion in our outreach and awareness. And one of the things we found during Hurricane Michael was that the women in the community, whether it was a mother or a sister or uh, a leader would help bring those in their network and direct them to assistance. Again, um, we, we had various numbers of participants across, across the age range, um, with the vast majority being 35 and higher, but we did have one individual that was under 20 who participated in this survey. So looking at the overall stress levels before COVID-19, um, overall for all of the respondents, it was 4.62. In Michigan, it was 4.71. Michigan did have the highest um, stress levels pre-COVID. 
Ohio had 4.53 and Georgia had 4.49. Georgia did have the highest number of participants reporting that mental health was a concern pre-pandemic. Under a quarter of participants said that mental health was a concern. So now as we look at stress levels during COVID-19, and again, this was, uh, this survey was taken during September of 2020, we saw a rise in our stress levels to 6.05. In Michigan, it was 5.85. We also saw some changes in mental health being a concern. The stress levels in Ohio was, it jumped up to 6.02 and in Georgia, it was 5.94. So Ohio had the, the highest average stress level during COVID-19, but they also had the lowest proportion of people reporting that mental health was a concern. So the most common contributors to stress was the fear of exposing their family to COVID-19. As you saw in March, um, that number changed from number one to number two and um, changing work responsibilities replaced that. So we also wanted to look at the impacts of social media on stress. And so of the 390 people who answered this question, um, over half of the people who use social media said they were moderately, highly, or extremely affected by it. We also had, um, I wanted to share with you from the first survey and it carried on through the second survey, just the range of emotions and emotional indicators that people referenced. So again, increased anxiety, anger, irritability, sadness, mood changes, feeling hopeless, apathy or not caring, numbness, denial. Again, people could make multiple selections. On the behavioral indicators, we had trouble relaxing or sleeping, an increase in irritability, difficulty maintaining balance in life, changes in activity level, loss of interest in usually pleasurable activities, ignoring self-care, isolating from others, changing changes in appetite. On the physical state, fatigue or loss of energy, headaches, body aches, indigestion, heartburn. We combined some of those items in the second survey, being easily startled, weakness, constipation, diarrhea, trembling, sweating or chills. And again, on the mental state, difficulty concentrating was the number one response, forgetfulness, difficulty making decisions, confusion or self-doubt, loss of self-worth, nightmares. So again, though many people indicated early on in the survey that mental health was not a concern, their emotional, behavioral, physical, and mental responses tell a different story in both surveys. 
that's why it's so important that people understand um, that they're more self-aware um, of what the signs and symptoms are of mental health and why it's so important that we educate and destigmatize this issue. So looking at substance use from the first survey, um, 18 people stayed the same, 31% increased, and almost a quarter of people admitted um, that they did use substances. So again, looking at strategies used to handle stress, talking with family and friends was the top one, exercise, meditation, eating healthy, and others. So again, we wanted to look at who sought out mentoring or coaching. And as you see, only 32 individuals um, showed um, that they did, um, which again, for both surveys shows that we have a lot of work we need to do in this area. So when we look at what types of mentoring or coaching um, was utilized, I'm sorry, during the pandemic, um, counseling was a top one, 17 people elected to utilize that, spiritual, um, business management, and a life planner. And so we did have a device, uh, a diverse array, but I really, again, think we could do better in helping those in our communities as well as ourselves. What kept people from seeking out resources? Again, many people said they did not see the need or importance. Um, a stigma or fear of weakness, 82 people responded to that. They did not know where or how to contact. Again, we need, what ways can we do better in that outreach education arena? And then um, financial reasons was number four. There were um, a lack of time, you know, how can we build into our business practices and, um, you know, our policies and procedures to help people seek out resources. Um, and then there were some people who sought out or were receiving mentoring or coaching. So there were four people. So that was a positive response as well. So I wanted to share some of the comments from individuals on um, why they did not seek counseling and mentoring. I'm not a wuss. I think I'm dealing with it better than the people that they want me to talk to. Lack of communication, lack of trust towards therapists, not in the mood, not interested, not needed yet. They place all my worries in the hands of the Lord. I'm a single parent with no help. Stay very busy with their farming operation. Times are stressful and tough. I'm performing. We're all stressed. There are people who identify that they weren't able to get an appointment scheduled because they were already booked. And then someone else notated, we're all struggling.
So the most commonly types of further assistance used, overall it was the small business loans or unemployment. Number three was tied for food bank or food stamps, was tied for other. And you see they, they all pretty much ran along similar lines. Other further assistance that was identified was the Small Business um, Administration's idle program. They were denied family help, forbearance, FSA assistance, loans or personal loans, mortgage deferment, pandemic EBT from the school system, and was not eligible. This other further assistance came from Georgia respondents. Um, there was a concern over exposing family members and friends to the virus. Family relationships changed during the course of the lockdown with many spending an increased time with family. There were individuals who talked about the pandemic response. Some experienced financial securities Whereas in the second survey, respondents focused more on health or long-term changes brought in by the pandemic. For example, educational changes for both students, children in college, and teachers. The financial strain was present in a lot of respondents. Many talked about the death of a family member or friend, oftentimes to COVID. And I was reading an article today that talked about um, Rural deaths have been higher in the past week. Um, but what are those impacts to us and death, not just on us personally? I know I've had um, impacts both at work and personally, but you know, even in our communities and global, what is the impact of death? The health effects of the pandemic was brought up, both physical and mental. And many complained about the way leadership handled the pandemic and other uh, issues throughout the year. So as, as we're um, coming closer to the end, I wanted to circle back and talk about the importance of self-care. Um, I do want to just remind everyone about the SAMHSA hotline. I know some of these statistics can be triggering for some people, but again, I also, um, so access help or talk with someone if you need it. But also, again, wanted to talk about the importance of self-care, creating good self-care habits like eating healthy, setting time aside for physical exercise, proper sleep habits, seeking quality social support, meaningful activities, setting realistic goals and expectations, practicing flexibility. I know those are areas that I need to work on. Keeping a sense of humor, and focusing on balancing work and personal life. And we cannot forget our emotional self-care and the importance of setting healthy personal and emotional boundaries. So I wanna encourage each of you um, to work on creating a personal self-care plan, to work on that today, focusing on the mental, physical, and emotional items and if you also want to share in the chat, I, I'm a firm believer on paper on purpose. So if you want to share with those who are participating some things that you might want to work on to promote self-care, please feel free to do so. The most important thing you all can do 
You've learned a lot of current statistics and impacts to us uh, personally in our sectors, but is knowing what resources you have in your local jurisdiction. So again, you can go to the AgriSafe website, you can go to the SAMHSA website, you can reach out um, to your behavioral and mental health lead in your state, but know what those resources are and direct people to them. And if you guys have any ideas for outreach and awareness, we're all here to learn. I certainly don't have all the answers in this area. Um, feel free to share any resources that you are aware of. So I wanted to share with you all um, why it's so very important that we build in mental health campaigns for our sectors. So in October, um, of 2020, we helped celebrate World Mental Health Day. And green represents hope, strength, support, and encouragement for others. So we encourage staff to wear a green ribbon to help spread awareness for people to take care of their mental health, especially during these times. So we did have some social media engagement for World Mental Health Day. Was really proud of our commissioner, Gary Black. Um, he announced the agency's support of mental health awareness for Georgians. Um, and again, prioritizing mental health for the food, agriculture, and hospitality um, sectors. Another um, tweet that we had was, we welcome guests make customers feel comfortable and see to their every need, then why is it that we don't care of our, don't take care of ourselves the same way? It's not okay to shrug off the warning signs. Protect your mental health. So we had um, over 6,000 in our reach from these tweets, a total of 48 engagements and 2,634 total impressions. You all are community champions related to mental health. That's why you're here today. You're here to learn so we can help make each other better. We all need to work together to promote mental health awareness and to destigmatize mental health matters. We need a champion. We need you. You all know who those, those leaders are in your community. We're all mental health heroes. So I wanted to close by um, saying, reminding you to encourage one another and to be grateful. Practicing gratitude increases the production of serotonin, our happy hormone, and plays a part in mood regulation. So cultivate the happy, the habit of being grateful. I know I can testify personally that when I find ways um, to be grateful, whether it's at work with my children, you know, with, with my mother, with my dog. Um, it just makes my whole environment and space better. And it's even more important, you know, when we're having hard and challenging times to do that, but find a way to be grateful. There's always something to be grateful for. 
So one of the handouts that I did share, um, which you'll find in the material, was a PowerPoint we created and that we were able to share with some of our partners um, on an AFTO um, call talking about optimism and resiliency. And so I just wanted to give a plug for that, for you all to go and take a look at that um, and share that information with those um, in your circle. It was very well received. So before we jump into questions, and I know we had some comments in the chat, Nisa, I did want to give a special thank you to our Food, Ag, and Hospitality Task Force members for their commitment to this project. You can see all the participants here. And I also wanted to give a special shout out. We had a couple of interns who now have their master's in public health degree from Emory Rollins School of Public Health. Madison Cahill, Corrales, Rodriguez Morales, and Tamson Smith, who were key and critical um, with this effort. So Nisha, I didn't know, um, it looks like we have a little time to uh, engage with some of the items. The AgriSafe team would like to thank you for listening to this episode. We hope that you learned something new we would also like to thank our National Farm Safety and Health Week sponsors for making all this possible. The 2021 National Farm Safety Health Week sponsors are the Ag Health Central State Center for Agricultural Safety and Health, High Plains Intermountain Center for Agricultural Health and Safety, the Northeast Center for Occupational Health and Safety, and the Southwest Center for Agricultural Health, Injury Prevention, and Education. We appreciate these organizations' generosity and dedication in helping us to make the National Farm Safety and Health Week webinars possible. To access the resources and full recording of this webinar, please visit AgriSafe Learning Lab, which can be found at agrisafe.org.